welcome everyone to. <laughs> well, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I'm leaving this there, right. by the way. <laughs> welcome everyone to Chasing the Moment, a podcast about the mind, soul, and science. This is Jesse Davenport, your co host. And I am Matthew Graberger, uh, co-host as well. I uh, hope you had the opportunity to listen to our last episode, Intro to Silence. Um, if you haven't had the opportunity to, you can either listen to this one or go back and listen to that one and then listen to this one. And what we're doing here is hopefully to uh, bring enlightening thoughts on individual and communal reality to the forefront. So Jesse, where are we going today? What are we talking about today? So we're going to you and your brain so the way i want you to approach this just right off the bat this is how we're going to go into it think of yourself as as you're in a spaceship and you're on the earth and you're in the spaceship and then you're launching and going to fly anywhere in space infinite space you can go wherever you want to and now you can come back to earth after your trip so what we just did was looked at earth as being you and the grounded you and then space is your thoughts your your future you your past you it's the thoughts that um, you can have so these thoughts are all part of the universe the earth is part of the universe and you are experiencing either that grounded self or that space self. So we're going to explore today what really makes up that grounded self, the parts of your brain that create this grounded self. And then we'll go into a little bit of the, the thought process of the space and the different parts that sort of encapsulate that. So yeah, that's sort of where we're going to go. We're going to either be on Earth or we're going to be in space. <laughs> that's a fun way to think about it so the idea that you're getting at is we're here on earth in what you just did is you took us to some place where we weren't you took us to some outer space to some took us to a place where our mind was thinking about what that what that would be what that would be like um, but we're all observing that still from this grounded reality am i am i thinking about that correctly yeah yeah it's it's that that earth is home it's mm. needed you have to return back for supplies you from if you look at it from that standpoint you have to return back home you can't just stay out and about all the time the way i came up with this was i always think too much and i never come back and ground myself so, yeah. So I never come back and be like, okay, I'm part of my body. I yes, am, yes, yes. I am this. I am, I am me. I'm always out in the future or the past, not really that present. That, that grounding being on earth is like being present with yourself and being aware that really no matter what, you really have that earth to come back to. Yeah, absolutely. It's that safe haven. Um, and that earth is made up of m multiple parts. 
just like the brain is made up of multiple parts and each part has a certain function and by understanding that certain function you can understand okay this is why i think this when i am in a thought process of the future this is why i think this when i'm on a thought process of the past this is why i leave the current moment and move towards some other moment right yes yeah yeah, yeah. so you can almost look at the 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 other moments as being places you go to visit so yeah, yeah, yeah. Separate yourself like Oh, you that's said. interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. So you've yeah, got absolutely. this whole universe that you can go explore, but you always need to remember to come back home and remember that um, you are a tangible being. You're not just a, a thought process. So you can almost look at it from a, um, just one other way to look at it. You've got the computer or a server and it's made up of hardware. And then you've got all the programs that are running on it and you have that information that can go out or that information that can come in. And the brain is that server, it's the actual hardware. And then our thoughts are that information that can go out. And mm -hmm. then it's the information that can be input and leave an impression on that computer. But you always have to remember that there's only so much capacity of that hard drive of the computer um, that you don't want to overwhelm it. And I feel like when we overwhelm ourselves is because we're trying to be away from mm. earth or we're trying to get too much information and we just override the system. Um, so we've been out too long. We are not mindful of ourselves and we're either accumulating too much information or we are just disseminating too much information. Um, which just exhausts us, which I think is perpetually getting worse as we get into the more information age and um, and just trying to figure out how to best operate. I think it's interesting that a lot of our conversations are centering around some of these ideas that seem to be uh, woven into the fabric of reality and woven into the fabric of what it means for us to be human. Um, and what I'm getting at is kind of what you're talking about. I can interpret in the context of Sabbath. This is why it's important to come home. This is why, this is why when you book your schedule out with too many flights, with too many work trips, this is why even vacations sometimes can almost feel as if <laughs> it's just another thing to do because in the present we leave the present and go to some oh that would be great to go to that place or do that thing and then we get there and it's not what we dreamt that it would be not because it isn't but because we don't know how to be present in that moment we don't know how to be ourselves our grounded selves in that moment. And so that's why it's important for us, I think, to create this sort of rhythm that centers not only around Sabbath, but Sabbath with ourselves. Sabbath doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, sitting in silence as much as it has to be doing things that ground you in that present moment that create that sort of, okay, I'm I'm equipping myself and gathering supplies and, and recharging myself, so to speak, 
mm-hmm. or later on in the week when I go fly out to universe, whatever, whatever. Um, cause I'm going to have to do that. That's part of the reality in which I live, right? We can't, we can't do our jobs without some sort of forecasting or some sort of reflection upon the past, right? Um, mm-hmm. We can't exist in relationship without that. But if we don't know how to exist in relationship with ourselves and don't know the role of our brain in that relationship with ourselves, I think we're going to be lost in outer space when trying to exist in some sort of shared communal experience where we have to be a participant in that shared experience. Yeah, it's almost in order to be in an experience with others, you have to be on the same planet. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah, you have to have that commonality and meet there. So this is yeah, this is why when somebody sitting at the table, it looks like they're outer in outer space. You know, we we say that you know how oh, that mm-hmm. person looks like they're off, and we say that you know in jest, but actually I think it think it speaks to this idea so well. Um, it's because because they truly are <laughs> their mind is yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> you know, they're yeah, not yeah. there. It's the, yeah, the mind is somewhere different. Yeah, and. And I think when we can find that grounding that we can always return to, it will help help us be in community because then we can have dialogue and we can understand each other um, better. So that goes sort of into our future episodes about belonging in community and just trying to find that common ground yeah. and understanding that, that, we're, that we're equals in that common ground. So in order to find that common ground, we have to sort of know how we function, um, sort of understand the anatomy of how we function and what roles these parts play um, so that we can understand, okay, hey, this is triggering this and just being aware. Um, Not to control it. I think that by understanding it, you can have a better control over it. It's good to have control of yourself, but you need to approach it from a non-judgmental approach. So we're not Mm. judging any of these parts. We are just looking at them and saying, okay, that is a part of me. I am because of that part. Mm. So we're not, we're not judging in these parts. Um, These are just going to help us understand ourselves better. Um, I think that we, we understand all the ideas that make us us. We understand um, our past. We understand where we want to go. And we also understand that, hey, I have a hand, I have a foot. But we never really think about, okay, I have this part of my body, of my brain, and it functions this way. Just like if you go to reach up for something, you're, you, you know that you're using your shoulder, your elbow, your hand. When you go to have conversation with somebody, if you understand that I'm using this part of my brain, this part of my brain, and this part of my brain, it will help. Um, I'm not going to go too in-depth into it because then it just turns into a lecture. And (laughs) I don't want to lecture. I did that for two hours last night and don't want to do it again. (laughs) So the, the brain is made up of different layers. Each layer serves its purpose. The inner portion is called the reptilian brain, and this part of the brain is the oldest part. It's the functional part of survival. 
um, your cardiovascular, heart rate, it controls breathing. It's the oldest systems. If you don't have this, you don't live. Most everything that's alive that that's that has um, a brain has this. So mm-hmm. this doesn't make us unique. Then we have what's called the limbic system, and it's actually more important as humans because we are emotional creatures. Mm. And and other vertebras um, have a limbic system. They have emotions. Dogs have emotions. Wolves have emotions. So this is not a unique system, but it's a very important system because it provides what's called feedback systems. Um, So you have an action and then you have a reaction. Well, this is where that action causes that reaction in the brain. So if you get cut off by a car and you immediately flip off that person or you honk your horn, you almost do that instinctively. It's a reaction that you have that's derived in this part of the brain. So basically you have a past experience which triggers your memories which are living in what's called what's called the hippocampus and that helps provide context of oh that person cut me off just like that last person did and that almost killed me so I have to go into a survival mode which is either a fight or flight and flipping the bird I think is more of a fight without <laughs> pulling out a gun um, yeah but it just yeah. shows that there's an aggression sort of like a peacock response that tail goes up, it's aggressive, our, our tails are our middle fingers sometimes. So this is where that response is derived from. You have that past experience, it gives context to the current experience, and then you have the hippocampus then fire the amygdala, which causes that fear and anger. So it, mm-hmm. it, everything is a system that feeds on an, another part of the brain. That's what I was going to comment on is you're explaining in, in I th- at least I think in a rudimentary way, how these parts of the brain exist in relationship to each other. And mm-hmm. I've always associated that whole flipping the bird, you know, anger response exclusively with some sort of emotional part of me that's not connected to the rational thinking brain. And it's interesting that you're kind of the way you're describing it is that it's very much connected It actually exists in relationship to the other parts of my brain that I think of as parts of my brain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, there's the, um, there's the past you that is still living in your brain and that past you lives in this limbic system and helps protect the future, well, the present and the future you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Through these systems. So yeah. your, your past you basically lives in the hippocampus and is just sitting there. Imagine if you've ever seen the movie Inside Out. Oh, Imagine gosh. a little yes. past you. So that, that past you is living in there and it's controlling things. It's like, okay, I've learned from this. And basic economics is I learned from my past experiences to then affect my future experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at basic economics, it's, it's survival of and self-preservation based on past experiences. So past habits, experiences that cause PTSD, these all live in that hippocampus. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why if you go to a therapist, they always ask about your, your childhood and about your past experiences. And then they yeah, ask, how sense. does that make you feel? And because they're, they're acknowledging A, the past experiences, and then they're um, acknowledging the B, which is how does that make you feel currently? Does it affect you in the present moment? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you've got your past use or past use. I guess you could look at that. Your past moments. Um, if you want to oh, look at inter- it, a number of views, um, yeah. living in that hippocampus and, and they, they relay the, the memory, they give context to sensory perception, they give context to your surroundings at every moment. So um, currently, while we're recording this podcast, there's apparently a tiger in the Knoxville, greater Knoxville area, Knoxville, Tennessee, that's roaming around. So past experiences from what we've gathered as humans is tigers are dangerous. Um, If we see a tiger, we have to have a response to that sensory perception coming from our eyes of, oh, there's a tiger or what looks like a tiger. So I have to then react to it. Our illogical self, this is our not very logical self, just responds. Mm. So this is your jump response, your anger response, your flipping the bird response. So that all lives here in this limbic system. Yes. Which is that self-preservation system. So that's the second system in the brain. And then we have the outer layer of the brain, which is known as the neocortex or the Mm. new cortex. And that's typically when you look at a picture of a brain that's what you're seeing that outer portion Mm. that is the i think portion of the i am yeah so we were just exploring the i am and now we're gonna because you are your past you are your present and in a sense you are your future um so we were looking at the i am now we're going to look at the the thinking portion which is the space it's the other planets that you mm-hmm. can go to. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so... It's the mechanism by, with that, by which we can do that. Yes, yes. So you've got the ground, which is the reptilian brain, the basic needs. Then you've got your limbic system, which is still your ground because that's who you are. And now we're going into that space, those different areas. And what's crazy is in those different areas of the neocortex you have your your language centers your perception of time your movement centers um, that actually define how you move in space and then how you speak so this is really what gives context to what is around you Um, and if you're always out in space with these language centers trying to process poetry but you don't eat and you're never coming back home Mm, if you're always out doing an athletic event moving using this neocortex these higher level thinking areas but you never come back and rest never come back and be with yourself then then you're always expending energy Um, So this is where a lot of our energy is spent in the brain is trying to think, think about the world 
and think about who we are in the world and think about how we belong in the world. This is where that area is. And when we stay with this and we never return to the the grounding, the I am, so when we stay out there that we, we really disassociate and it's harder to come back mm-hmm. to the ground. It's the further you get, the harder it's to get back. So these areas are really important for thinking, but are they truly important to the you, the I mm-hmm. am? So that's why it's almost the you and then the brain, your brain. So it's almost what we call a duality, which is two different things, um, but they're both affecting each other directly. They exist, yeah, they exist in relationship. Yes, yes. They're, they're, you, you cannot disconnect them. They're interwoven, but that interwovenness, portions of it can be neglected. Mm. Um, so there's that self-neglect that we can have. And I feel like there, you can self-neglect either way. Yeah, absolutely. To just don't ever reach higher thought processes, not because of any biological thing, but just they just don't think that way. And then there's others that are always out there um, thinking and that are truly you know, you, disembodied. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you look at artists um, that spend mm. ten years on a piece of artwork, and and they neglect other things. If you look at people that are building businesses, those are those higher level thinking areas and they never focus on their family. They never focus Mm. on themselves and then they're, they become really out of shape and then they eventually die because they didn't take care of the earth themselves. The I am, they were always living out. I feel like this is me. I'm always living out in the, wherever cosmos um Mm -hmm. i'm always out there trying to search for meaning um the why the how the when um and i always neglect the present me the grounded me and i'm working towards getting back to that um and trying to not self-actualize and continuously focus on for me it's the future I'm always focusing on the future, but I'm always hindered by the past. So it's really weird. Yeah, <laughs> you're not alone. There's a reason why we're talking about this, because I think we're both, <laughs> we both catch each other in outer space sometimes. And it's like, what? It's like the Spider-Man meme, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In this neocortex area, you have that reality. And I almost want you to imagine that the reality is the you in the spaceship your reality can travel back and forth. Ooh, I Mm. should have put this at the beginning. There's the earth, (laughs) there's the earth, there's the you in the spaceship, which is your reality. And then you can go out to space or come back. Um, So that self-awareness in that reality is based on that duality, that, that both those areas and it all depends really on the language that you use on those areas. So there's a reason poetry is so such a good form of art because it gives language to ideas that, and it gives you ways to contextualize different perceptions really. So language 
in your perception of reality and the, the words you put beyond, behind it um, really drive the, it's almost the fuel for where you are in that reality. So you, you, can, you can use the language to get into outer space or you can use your language to come back to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, to that, that hip, the, the past you, to your emotions, processing your emotions. Am I allowed yes. to cuss? Yeah. You're speaking to, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're speaking to the way, the role of language in this experience. And I think it's like anything, right? It's a double-edged sword. You know, language has the power to keep us grounded, to transport us both positively into good experience, but then also there's this destructive power of language. And I, I, I'm going to quote, we talked about a gentleman named Science Mike in a previous episode, and I think I'm going to quote him once again. His name's Mike McCarg, and he's got this quote, sticks and stones, you know, may break my bones, but words can fucking kill you. And, I, and it's, this, it's this idea that, you know, language has the ability to take us somewhere right? You just, you just mm-hmm. demonstrated that for us. And oftentimes, this is how the rabbit hole of, you know, depression and anxiety and loneliness, you know, we can get trapped in a sort of wormhole in a sort of black hole in this outer space reality, if that makes sense, where it feels like, you know, as if we are trapped in that sort of reality. It's um, almost like we run out of fuel, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Well, language, it's where we're almost numb. Um, I know yeah, that when, yeah. when I feel depressed, I'm, I'm numb to a degree that it's, there's like no perception from outside. You've lost that groundedness. You've lost that. Not only haven't you come back home, but you've lost the ability, at least in that moment, to come back home. Yeah, you've you don't lost have that map. ability. Yeah, yeah, you don't have the map, nor do you have the ability to travel between those spaces, even if you Mm -hmm. want to. And that's what happens when you completely disassociate from that space. And words words create worlds, right? And so you've created a world for yourself that is existing in a parallel universe almost to this other world, but you can't quite bridge the gap between Mm -hmm. the two, if that makes sense. I told my therapist yesterday that uh, when I'm depressed, it's sort of like I'm, if, you, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, um, it's like the upside mm. down. Yes, it's exactly. It's like I'm, I'm stuck there. And then there's the, the monster of whatever dark side that I'm dealing with that's there. So it, it, it's another reality, really. Mm-hmm. It's like you flip the script and you go into that upside down. And then there, there's this lack of perception in that area because it's unknown. It, it's scary. It's not, a, it's not a good place to be. Okay, so like uh, Matthew was just saying about the two realities, the getting lost idea of being numb and not having the perception of where you are in space, I want you to think sort of about how emotions work really quick. So I just want to go through this quick exercise. Emotions, you can look at them as wells. I like this this imagery just from a um, biblical sense of Christ meeting the, um, was it a Samaritan woman? Mm-hmm. Samaritan yes. woman. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Christ meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. 
and she was at the well at a time when people aren't normally at a well. And second of all, she was a woman, which she was not supposed to speak to, and she was a Samaritan. So just completely shouldn't have happened according to um, the Jewish perceptions at the time. And that's just what Jesus did. Jesus yeah. blew, blew apart their context of what reality was yeah. and yeah, opened them up to, uh, to a, a more grounded, a deeper reality that's, that was below the surface of all of the other garbage that they were yes. living, living uh, into. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yes. So, so Christ met this woman at the well and he tells her that if she believed in him, it was, he would be the everlasting water the everlasting fountain i'm really butchering the verbiage but he's the everlasting water she won't have to come to the well anymore Mm -hmm. and i was thinking about how and yes christ is a basic need in that sense but i was thinking about how emotions are wells and when we don't travel to them um, we don't use that emotion often enough we sort of get lost the path between the the two areas are it becomes destroyed it's not it's overgrown it's more difficult to get there you sort of start to forget how to get there Um, and then eventually you have no idea the well is even there and that can happen with your walk with christ if you don't return to the well often enough or that can occur when you don't process sad emotions often enough or the right way um, you use something to to mask that emotion Um, so going off of the the realities and the perceptions and the idea of physiological needs and returning back to the earth well you can look at it as returning back to a well if you have all these coping mechanisms that don't actually let you process things, you'll forget how to do it. And I Mm. think that as Americans, we tend to forget how to process these emotions. And these emotions are really those that are living in that, in that limbic system, in that second tier of the brain, that hippocampus. Um, I think that those are what reside there. And we put up these barriers or walls of coping mechanisms, be it, um, drinking, Facebook, all kinds of barriers, even good barriers of exercise are still barriers. So I, I just wanted to go through that sort of just to, to encapsulate this idea of we're traveling in this reality. We can either be grounded and go to the well often for those basic needs, or we can always be traveling out but we've also have to realize we have to come back home yeah i don't think it's just true in the individual context but like you specifically referenced us as americans and i think there's something true about this in a societal context as well of you know we've we have let the path of empathy become overgrown and unused because it is easier to simply just respond with our amygdala in a way that is reactional in a way, instead of sort of reaching out and perhaps doing the difficult work of processing what that person's comments about so-and-so means, mm-hmm. means for ourselves and what that does to us emotionally. And rather than going, than walking that empathetic path, it's easier to respond 
in a way that disassociates us from that present reality and again puts up these barriers that you're talking about not just between us and ourselves but between us and other people it's almost like the path between us and others is blurred yeah and so i think it's critical that we're having this discussion because how we exist in relationship to ourselves and to our our brain it has a direct implications upon how we exist in relationship with others and how we exist in relationship with and the inverse is true right how we exist in relationship with others um, often has a pretty dramatic effect upon how we exist in relationship with ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so being able to understand how our thoughts and our feelings, how they exist in relationship to, the other, to each other and the role they play in our ability to function individually and communally, I think is really important, important to helping us navigate this trajectory of what it means for us to be human. Mm-hmm. And to come back to the, the idea of chasing the moment, the moment is, is who you are now. It is the grounded self, but it's also the, the where you are in that trajectory. Mm. Um, so by <clears throat> finding that moment is just being aware of where you are in relation to everything. Because that moment unlocks all the other moments. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it feels like as if so often I do travel somewhere else to find that sort of moment or I go out of my way to please somebody else in perhaps a parallel universe to find some sort of sense of fulfillment or belonging. And that's something that we'll be talking about in a future episode. Um, but in actuality, the moment that unlocks all of those moments is not... Um, somewhere in the past that's not somewhere in the future but it's in this moment it's the moment that I have that I can observe all of these other spaces and places and people with okay so Matthew and I (laughs) I should leave that in that's pretty good (laughs) so Matthew and I decided that we wanted to make this into a two-part episode So we're going to explore this more next week. Um, I want to end today with a returning home exercise, just a mindfulness technique of just trying to return home. Um, So the the easiest way to do this is to, and you can do this while you're driving because I don't want you to have to close your eyes, but you're just going to ground your feet into wherever they are. Just put them on the floor you're going to relax your hands. If you're driving, don't relax them too much. And again, <laughs> if you have a wreck, we are not responsible. <laughs> so you're, you're grounded. You are there. Now I want you to focus on your breathing. Focus on the inhalation and the exhalation. That Yahweh that breathing in and out. Now I don't want you to close your eyes. I want you to focus on things around you. Just if you're driving, just focus on the cars around you, the trees. Don't turn your head too much. You don't want to have a car accident. Just focus on the things around you. And just return home to where you are. Whether that's in the car, 
at work. And just pay attention. Remember that you are you. And just sit with that for a minute. I want to thank you for joining us this week. It's been a really fun episode. I really enjoyed going through this with you, Matthew, and going through this with you, the listener. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was beneficial with your your journey through what we call reality. This was a fun episode. Uh, Jesse, thank you for leading us through that exercise. I know, share a brief ref- reflection. Um, I'm here in our, in the room I've been recording in lately, and just uh, the colors were a bit more vivid in the space. You notice all of these little details. There's a lot of pieces of furniture that have been made by by family members in the space, and just seeing the details and the stories that are connected with them, um, and what those stories mean about who I am, both in the past, the present, and the future, but I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have seen or those details would have caught my uh, attention if I hadn't been fully uh, present, fully aware, and um, fully um, a participant in this moment and fully home in relationship with myself. And so if you enjoy what you're hearing, if if you think this is beneficial, give us a follow, give us a like. You can find us on, on most of the major social media platforms. You can stream us wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're listening to this through a service where you can rate and review uh, the podcast, we would love and appreciate that. We love your good feedback. And if you've got, if you've got a critique, if you've got an idea, if you've got maybe even a subject that you would like us to talk about or dive into, we would love to um, hear, your, hear your thoughts and hear your suggestions. Our music today is from Iron Effigy's latest album, The Gospel Order. The track is called A Black Dress from London. You can follow him at Iron Effigy. He also goes by Smith Lightheart, and you can find his work at WFS Lightheart. And I want to leave you like I do every week with live in the moment and love in the moment.